I'm Jake. And we're here today to discuss the 2019 film Midsummer, directed by Ari Aster. Now, this is a movie you picked, Jake. Um, I've never seen it before, watching it for this discussion, and it's one you're quite fond of. Yep, definitely one of my favorite horror films of the past two decades, if you can even call it horror, really. Um, yeah, yeah. And well, the Ari Aster, who made this film, he kind of has exploded onto the horror scene recently, and it's become one of the bigger names in the genre just in the past couple of years through his first two films. Yeah, um, that was uh, Hereditary was the first one. Hereditary yeah. was the first one, and then Midsummer, which we're discussing today, is the second one. Ari Aster's actually a fellow New York boy. I found out, which makes sense why he's such a pretentious a-hole, <laughs> like us, of course. Yes. But uh, this film was distributed by A24, and I think like Ari Aster's films, at least to me, when people think A24 horror, this is kind of what they have in mind, hereditary in this film. Uh, there's other names, like Robert Eggers, who did The Witch, but I really think Ari Aster is it what follows. people are thinking of. Was It Follows an A24 film? Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't know that. Yes, yes it was. That's also an interesting one. So, um, I think I kind of have the same, it's almost atmospheric horror rather than, like, the genre, I think, is the assumption is you're going to go see scary shit instead yeah. of f- feel scary shit, if that makes sense, the difference. Like, right. it's not as visual, like, or auditory. It's kind of like just the, the set and setting of the entire thing and where it's taking place and how it's taking place that, that, that creates that horror-esque mood. Yeah. Um, at least that's what I found common of all A24 horror films that, that I've watched. Okay. Well, Ari Aster, his two films, Hereditary and Midsummer, came out back-to-back years, 2018 and 2019. There was a very quick turnaround between those two films. I saw an interview with him where he said he really didn't get to like celebrate the release of um, Hereditary because he just dived into making Midsummer. Uh, Be Real Films, which is a co-distributor of this with A24, um, their Swedish film company, actually approached him and said, you know, would you be interested about making a slasher film set in Sweden? And he said, I don't really, he didn't know about making a slasher film, but eventually came up with this, which is set in Sweden. And um, he actually doesn't really consider this a horror movie. In that interview I watched with him, he said uh, he considers Midsummer quote, a breakup movie dressed in the clothes of a folk horror film which I thought was kind of interesting. There is definitely a big relationship aspect to this movie. Yes. In fact, that's what I think the entire movie is about. About Um, connections. Connections. Just connections. Good ones, bad ones. What they mean for what we are and who we are. And um, I think the only baseline truth you can really get out of this is that um, connections are necessary, uh, required. Um, Uh But how they get played out or if they're healthy or not, um, is a totally different matter. So, Okay. Well, you want to jump into the movie? Yeah, then? I guess, uh, you know, it opens with... Um, with our character uh, of Danny. Danny. Played by Florence, Florence Pugh, Pugh, who is the, <laughs> the main character of this film. She's in a panic because her bipolar sister has made threats against her family, essentially. Mm-hmm. So she's desperately trying to contact her sister and her parents to no avail. But she does call her boyfriend, and uh, he is the one who does pick up. And I think this uh, first conversation gives us a really good sense of where their relationship is at. Yeah. And it's kind of distant at this point. You know, there's a moment where she's just like, do you want to hang out? And he says, well, I didn't think we had anything going. You know, we didn't have any plans for tonight. And she's well, that, you know, do you want to hang out anyway? Yeah. And it's so like, like, uh... Yeah. 
the shore. Like, yeah, I guess I could, like, swing by. Yeah, it's not very, like... He's not. He doesn't want to really commit to it, it seems like. Yeah. She's very adamant at the end of the phone call about saying, you know, I love you. Which, uh, there's a li- noticeable lengthy pause before he returns the I love you back. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just awkward. I'm seeing it all from her end. Like, yeah. Is it that much more painful? Right. Um, we do get something from his end when she calls him for the yeah. second time. Before she calls him the second time, we see where he's at. And he's hanging out with his friends, three friends. One, Josh, who we learn is all about his research as a cultural anthropologist. That's mm-hmm. what they're all studying in university. His friend, Mark, who is pretty much just a tool yeah. <laughs> nothing else like that guy doesn't yeah. have much going for him no and then his friend Pele who's from Sweden and at first seems like a shy and sensitive kind of guy the artiste of the group as well yeah but while they're having a conversation ha- having hanging out having some drinks she calls him back and uh, she's in big pain because it turns out that her sister's threats were not unfounded yeah for the first time we learned that she made threats like this before um, yes so yeah she actually uh goes through with committing suicide or and patricide as well so matricide yeah murder suicide she Uh, kills herself and her family via carbon monoxide Mm -hmm. poisoning yeah which is a pretty intense I love this scene, like this opening to the movie. I thought it was really strong. Oh yeah, so we get like taken through the house slowly, room by room, starting in the in the garage with the cars running. Yeah, we see the fire uh, fighters turning off the cars. Yeah, and slowly moving where it's going. Yeah, that's just um, yeah, and kind of everything in the house is revealed as they move through it, and we see what happens to the parents, and then we see what happens to her, and the sister has like a hose from the car directly attached to her mouth. Yeah, so yeah, she took a guard like your. No pun intended. Garden, righty garden hose, stuck it in the um, exhaust of the vehicle, taped it, and then ran a line upstairs into the parents' bedroom, and then taped under the door, and then ran a line directly into her mouth, directly from the exhaust pipe through the fucking hose to her mouth, and then taped it to her face. Yeah, um, they have some great prosthetic work. Yeah, her face is completely green. It's pretty gruesome. Yeah, and like one eye is, it's it's yeah, it's fucked up. Christian, which is the boyfriend, yes. goes over to Danny's house to console her, and she's inconsolable, sobbing and wailing. Um, he's holding her, but he's not saying anything. He's just silent. And we go out through the window into the snow where we get our title card of Midsummer. Yes. I really like the title card. It's really like hard to see actually what it says. It's shrouded in all this fog and snow. Yes. And it looks really cool. And then there's the, uh, the tapestry that explains the story. That we're about to watch. That yeah, that comes to the opening too. Right, that's the actually the opening shot of the movie. Yeah. is a tapestry, and uh, I'm assuming if we went back, oh, that's right, that's right. It would yeah. basically tell the story because uh, we'll see. He does this a lot. There's a good amount of foreshadowing in this film. So we cut to six months later, and Danny and her boyfriend are still together, uh, but their relationship's obviously strange. She's been through a lot with what happened with her sister and her family. We find out that her boyfriend is actually planning a trip with uh, Pele back to Sweden and their two friends to uh, visit the commune he grew up in Sweden for a midsummer festival that happens once every 90 years. A pretty momentous occasion. Yeah, that, that once every 90 years. I forgot about that. So They're, they're going there because they, they want to get messed up, you know, have a good time. Well, that Mark does, at least. Yeah, yeah Mark does. I think they all kind of have the expectations of we're just going there to really party. Maybe Josh, because he wants to go Josh there. Josh really wants to go there for the anthropology. Yeah, so he can write his thesis on, you know, these people and their way of life. 
he's very excited about that. But uh, Danny doesn't know about this. Yeah. It's uh, they're leaving in a couple weeks, and yeah. she's been completely left in the dark. So understandably, she's a little confused, a little unhappy. Thinks that they're trying to ditch her. So Christian extends an olive branch and uh, you know invites her invites to her to go and. You know, he's assuming that she's not going to want to. She's just going to say, no, you go on without me. But surprise, surprise, she says yes, which uh, we got a good scene where she goes to his friend's apartment and they're all sitting there. She breaks the news that she'll be going with them. And it's pretty awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Mark leaves her. He's like, can I talk to you for a minute, Christian? Can you come read this paragraph, buddy? Like, it's like... Josh doesn't seem phased at all. He's not interested in it. Josh doesn't really care. I don't think he's like, you know, she's not going to affect my experience because I'm going, like, to do this. Right. So... And, and but, Pele's, like, excited. Yeah, Pele's very excited. And you're, you're like, hmm. That's, like, that's your first thing, like, what the fuck? Yeah. But he does um, apologize to her for what happened to her family. Yeah. Seems to be very understanding about that, which uh, leads into a fantastic transitional shot. Because, uh, you know, she's a little broken up by what he says. She's just like, let me go to the bathroom. She goes in the bathroom in the apartment. We get the bird's eye view overhead shot of her going into the bathroom in the apartment. And then when she gets on the other side of the door, she's in the bathroom, bathroom of a plane, airplane, yeah. which I thought was a fanta- fantastic transition. There's a lot of really good shots in this yes, movie. Yes, yeah. And so, like, Ari Aster is a very talented director. But now she's on the plane. She's going with them to Sweden. Um, so they get off the plane, and Pele drives them to the commune. And we get another awesome shot, too. Like, back-to-back, he just doubles it up, where we get the point of view of the car driving into this commune, but it's upside down and really sells that we're entering a different world here. Yeah, that, that our perception of what it is is the antithesis of the reality of it. We're, we're kind of looking at it upside down. Um, and I think that that's like, there's something to be said about, you know, how things are uh, portrayed and how what the expectation is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think threefold for the characters going through it and for the audience you know, um, that kind of like your expectation is not right. And that's what is off putting about it. Right. This film does a very good job of building the dread to the situation. You go into most horror movies and you know, something's going to go wrong at some point. And I think this movie does a good job of slowly, but surely like, you know, building it up until the moments where things do start to go wrong. Mm -hmm. So they stop short of the commune after their car trip and they start meeting up with some people there we find out that they're not the only foreigners visiting this Midsummer Festival, that somebody else from the commune has uh, met an English couple, and they're going along as well. And it's a very friendly guy, and the first thing he does is offer some mushrooms. Yes. yes. Not your average garden variety mushrooms, but some pretty heavy psychedelic mushrooms. Danny doesn't really want to take them at first. Understandably. Understandably. You just get to a new place and somebody breaks out a bag of mushrooms. You might want to get settled in first, you know, get your bearings. And it's only six months out from her, you know, her tragic. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I can understand being like, I'm good. I'll pass. But she kind of sort of gets peer pressure into it, I guess you could say. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Mark is very adamant that everybody comes up at the same Same time. time Which is also understandable if anyone, you know, has ever tripped before, you know. So she does it. And this film has a really, I I thought, interesting portrayal of being on psychedelics. Everything was done pretty subtly. You get these, like, nice touches of somebody sitting in the grass and the grass extending onto their body or the way, like, the trees sway when someone says you can, you know, see the trees breathing. And then she looks up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's done accurately. 
to the best of, I, I mean, at least outside of inter- like modern interpretations, pop culture films tend to like do psychedelics wrong. Yeah, um, well, it's not like, like over the top. Over the top, it's like way too pronounced. But just the way that like you, the characters' faces change after they take certain psychedelic um, mm. compounds throughout the film, they take multiple different. There's multiple different drugs administered. Um, all right, or the way that people act. Oh, can can you just like sit down? Can we all just like lie down? Yes. Yeah. Kind of anal about like yeah. everything that's going on. Yeah, it's very yeah. Um, I especially like Christian's portrayal of 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 tripping. His like his what he does with his facial expressions is kind of how I feel my face when I'm tripping. You know what I mean? Like that's what. Oh, yeah. yeah, like that. Like um, yeah. So I think it's a very accurate portrayal of it. At least yeah. the most accurate I've seen. Which he I thought he was looks kind of lost. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Like a little bit in pain as well. Yeah. Like, you can tell he's really trying hard to keep, keep it together. together. Exactly. But um, he, he just can't. Yeah. No. And uh, D- Danny's trip doesn't really go as planned. She starts freaking out a little bit. She has to leave the group and walk away. It's never a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> never a good idea. They, they let her go on her own, which is also, also a mistake. Yeah. But uh, she basically just ends up passing out until the next day where the group wake her up. And uh, it's her birthday, actually. But nobody recognizes this except for Pele. Pele, yeah. Yeah, where he draws her a, a, a photo of her or a, a, a little a, a sketch. Portrait, yeah. Yeah, a little portrait. And this guy, I don't know. I think maybe from the beginning he's he wanted to get with her kind of thing. I, it feels like as the movie goes on, he he's playing events in a way that's going to lead to that happening. Yeah. Um, and if Ari Aster wanted to call this a breakup film, that guy is always there in the in the picture at least in my experience with breakups there's always that guy like right waiting like waiting in, wait in the wings yeah waiting yeah. in the wings just to swoop in and uh you know there's always that guy in the edge always. in the periphery always yeah bastard <laughs> so um what, what do you think about like florence Pugh? we haven't really talked about her yet and this was as I, I said to you before we watched this movie. Twenty nineteen to me was the year of Florence Pugh. She was in three pretty notable releases: "Fighting with My Family," which was a comedy earlier in the year; um, "Midsummer," which came out appropriately in "Midsummer," a horror film, and then uh, "Little Women," directed version twenty nineteen, directed by Greta Gerwig, uh, which received some Oscar praise as well. And mm-hmm. I think out of, I haven't seen "Fighting with My Family," but between the two, I think. Little Women is definitely a stronger performance. Okay, I, I haven't seen Little Women. That's one I, mm-hmm. I definitely need to, uh, to check out because you know. Yeah, I mean her her performance in this film is kind of reserved, and I think obviously so since she's guarding a lot of her emotions, um, you know, after what happens to her family. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, she doesn't really feel like an open character, and and none of the characters in this movie really are. They're, I think most of them are one note. I think this is one of like the most detrimental parts of the movie for me. It's like you got, you know, Josh who only cares about his research. That's his character. You got Mark who's a tool. That's his character. You got Chris who's distant. That's his character. And you got um, Danny Florence Pugh who's just kind of unstable by what happened to her. And that's her character. And uh, I don't think it's the fault of the actors. I just think it's the writing. Like everyone's written very basic and they don't really have much to kind of expand on do you agree or i do but i'm not sure if it's a, i'm not sure that's a weakness in my opinion okay um you think that's a feature i think it's a feature of it yeah i think that's intentional um to have flat characters that it it makes you wonder like how are these people friends how did they start dating because mm-hmm. like we're dropped in like four years 
they've been dating for four years. Right. Uh, Dan, Danny and Chris, right? You don't and get an opportunity you don't, to see you don't where see, that's Yeah, like place. where they, yeah. And then when you see the friends, like their first interaction is Josh is just totally removed from the situation. Mark is telling Chris how to live his life and how to handle his relationship with Danny. And then Pele is just kind of observing this mm-hmm. being like, oh, but, you know, when you look back on it, he's like, oh, I chose right. Like these are three perfect people to fucking bring yeah. to Midsummer because what do they offer the world? You know what I mean? Like, so, so yeah, we see that there's an ulterior motive later. We're building to this ulterior motive for why Pele like recruited these guys, like essentially recruited them to come back to, he, he played off of something that each of them wanted in the experience to kind of bring them and make it seem innocuous. But in reality, it was like, you know, they're going to be human sacrifices for this midsummer festival for this, you know, right. That's like eventually what it is. Right. So Josh, uh, you know, Josh, when he wants to study, and he's got the perfect case study for them. Uh, a yeah. very, like, you know, remote, tribal-oriented, like, very far removed from, you know, the world-connected world, society, modern society. So like, it's, you know, this is a diamond in the rough for any anthropologist, especially, like, a budding PhD student. Mm-hmm. Not someone who already has their doctorate to go write more, you know? Yeah. Um, you've got Mark, who just wants to party. Wants to, you know, trip balls and have sex with Swedish women. And, you know. Right. Then you've got Chris, who... Who doesn't he know doesn't what know he what wants. he wants, but he wants to kind of get away. And, you know, lo and behold, Danny comes, so he can't get away from what he's trying to get away from. Right. Um, and then Danny's trying to get away as well. For different reasons. For different reasons. Mark yeah, is. yeah. Or then and Chris, Chris is. And Chris is. She, like, wants to go with Chris. You know, and I think that's why I said the movie is all about connections. Um, because... Up until this Up point, until this she point. had her main connection, which is her family, family. her sister, yeah. and her parents severed from her permanently. Yes. The connection she has with Chris and his friends are kind of lacking. Yeah, lacking. There's like, yeah. We don't get really to see a side of her friends. There's like a moment in yeah. the beginning where she calls one of her friends and they talk for a little bit about her relationship with her and Chris, but they... Uh, she, there's she no sounds other like a, she sounds like a female Mark essentially when she's on the phone. She says like, break, like break off her. with it. Yeah, like yeah. like you know if he if you think he, if you think he thinks that you're leaning on him too much or you're being like you're too needy, then he's not the right guy, mm-hmm. right? And then like that that you know that conversation's interrupted by the phone call that lets her know that her parents and her sister are dead. Right. Um, so she's lacking connections. Chris might have too many. Mark doesn't have anything, any meaningful, and Josh's meaningful connections are totally removed from the people he's supposed to be connected to through relationships. Yeah. Um, and and Pele is just ultimately beholden to this commune. Right. And that's his connection. And, you know, yeah. So, you know, Pele is sitting there at this table watching Mark bitch at Chris again and be like, break up with this bitch. Come on, do it. Which, you know, having been there, it's like, yeah, I've heard that. Ultimately, like you know, right. you know, all too often from people, like, come on, man, what are you doing? You put yourself through hell. You keep complaining about it. Just break up with her. It's like you get to a certain point, and then everybody has an opinion on your yeah. relationship, right? Right, and I and I think that kind of, um, you know, that's what her sister writes in the email before she kills herself. Like everything is dark. I can't. I can't deal with it. Anymore. I think everything is dark is important. I can't deal with it anymore. Mom and dad are coming with me again. Connections. Like she needs mm-hmm. people to come with her. Paley needs people to come back with him. Okay. You know, um, that's interesting. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. So, and, and she's literally connected the tube of the fucking, you know, the car to her, like she's connected it to her face physically, literally. So I think that what the movie is trying to establish is the idea that the connections are necessary. Human, you being a person is defined by the fact that like we are social. 
and that like we were to be sane to be stable we need we need connections but like the antithesis of a bad connection isn't necessarily a good one right. what, what are good connections can still be bad mm. right murdering appear to be pe- good. yeah appear like, to be good connections healthy connections yeah you know supportive connections like this this village that we see that we start to experience this commune this these connections seem very healthy they're very welcoming people everything is clean there's no violence there's like there right. like there's it's like this perfect society that happens to spend nine days in the sun. Yeah, all connect like you know, and the hand and Pele very much like relays that, that like oh I have a family. This and is this my is family. my family like, in the commune. Yeah, so he actually says to Danny, you know, before they leave for the trip with that with that cut scene that you like from the bathroom the bathroom. Um, <laughs> he says, you know, I lost my parents very young too. I understand you, right. connected to you. I have, I have an understanding. Like, yeah, we have something in common, common here. Um, so I, I, that's why like I, um, on second watch, this movie actually isn't scary. I think it gets less scary over time, which I think for most horror films is a, is a negative. I think for this one, it's not because <laughs> okay. it's, it's not obviously apparently it wasn't supposed to be a horror film. It's supposed to be a breakup movie, which yeah. Clothes as a folk horror film. Yeah. Clothed. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. how he put it there. But, um, continuing on with the movie, our group gets to the commune and everybody is super nice there's a nice little detail where as they're walking through the woods to get to the commune, uh, you hear this flute and like yes. fiddle music playing. And when they actually walk into the commune, that music's diegetic and people are playing it for them. But everybody's super nice. And we just got foreshadow after foreshadow just lined up back to back. First, it's like, hey, what's that building over there? And it's this yellow pyramid. And it's, oh, that's a secret temple. Nobody's allowed in there. And then it's, hey, what's that bear doing in the cage? Oh, it's just a bear. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Literally, it's just a bear. And then the movie actually just puts us into a tapestry, scrolling over, where we see this bizarre love story where this woman falls in love with a man that makes this, I'm going to call it a love potion of sorts, where she cuts off her pubic hair and uses her menstrual blood to fashion this pie and feeds it to him, making him fall in love with her. This is actually going to be a big thing later in the movie. But now our whole group's at the commune, and the Midsummer Festival is kicking off, and day one starts with Atastupa, which is a practice where people, it's, you know, debated whether this was actually a thing or not in North's culture. People, when they got to a certain age, would kill themselves by jumping off to a cliff. Um, I actually knew about this before the movie, because there's a series on Netflix, or I, I think it's on Netflix, called Norsemen, which is like yes. a comedy series. That takes place in the 10th century, and there's just this guy in the village where they live who's old and super annoying, so people basically pressure him into suicide. And it's just like, I don't know, I don't think jumping off a cliff to end my life sounds as a smart thing. They're like, no, man, it's the most honorable thing you can do. Remember, you're always saying how important honor is. Well, that's that, that, that honoring the connection to nature. Like, that was their, their justification for why this is acceptable and like again building the dread you see these two people who are like the guests of honor at this dinner Mm. essentially and uh, you can tell like there's something wrong especially with the man the woman's fine in my opinion at least she she's fine and based on her execution um i think she like was yeah whereas he was not so the dread's building for him but she's cool with it so first you're wondering like is she gonna do something to him Right. Like, or, and then, you know, what, what's going to happen here? Um, what does happen is well, after they have their little meal, everybody goes off to the cliff to witness these two people jump off. 
the lady jumps first, but she stares at Danny for a long time before actually jumping off the cliff for what feels like a long time. Yeah. And uh, she jumps off the cliff and dies. The man follows her, but when he jumps off the cliff, he doesn't die. And he's left in pain. His leg is broken. And everybody in the commune starts just like, oh, oh, yeah, like starts basically mimicking his wails of pain before eventually using this awesome giant mallet. <laughs> just to yeah, go just to crush his crush his head. You get some nice prosthetic work actually as they do crush his head. Yes, and I mean they, what they do is overkill too. Like four people walk over, one dude carrying the mallet, and they kind of pass it around. But the mm. first guy like ends his life, but yet they still do it four times. Yeah, not everybody's cool with this. The English <laughs> no, couple English in particular couple freaks very the fuck out, put yeah. off by uh, seeing two people commit suicide. It's not what they thought they were walking into. But one of the village elders tries to, you know, sway them and says, like, this is just a cultural thing. This is what we do here, you know. When I reach this age, I'll be proud to do this just like these people were. So they they kind of explain it away. Um, or attempt to. Yeah. the Danny wants to leave at this moment, but Pele basically convinces her to stay. He, and he uses his method is by trying to connect with her. Yeah. And as you said earlier, this is, you know, he says, my parents died in a fire. In this commune, they took me in. They became family, and that that's what you need. Yeah. He also ends it off with a very telling, you know, do you think Christian provide this kind of relationship? For oh, you? yeah. I actually think the guy who plays Pele, who, you know, excuse me if I pronounce this wrong, Wilhelm Blorgren. That's okay. his name. I think he's the best performance in the movie. He does a good job of being very sneaky and subtle with the way he delivers messages and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I... He, he does a good job of giving you, like, there's something wrong with this guy, but not like, letting you in enough that you really that know what's face, going on. That gen- like, it, it, like, just he, yeah. exudes genuineness, but, like, at the same time is so disingenuous, like... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I would agree. He is the best performance. I think Chris was probably one of the weaker ones. I like Mark as an actor. I like everything he's done outside of this. Mm-hmm. So I like his... I think he nails that yeah. character, even though he's easily the most like dislikable. Um, right. Well, he reminds me of a character you'd find in a slasher movie, you know? In the sense that, like, you know where they put characters in slasher movies that are just assholes, so when the slasher kills them, you don't feel too bad about it? Yeah. That's kind of what he reminds me of, at least. Yeah, but even then, it's like... He does some stuff, which I can see where it's just like, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I guess, yeah. he That is that is his character, now that you say it. So Danny's not the only one who wants to leave, even though she's convinced Oh, the, the British the, couple. The British couple. They're out. Leave. They're yeah, out. Yeah. They're, they're going to be gone after this. The girl wants to leave, but she's told by a cult member that her man actually left before her. Uh, that he was driven to the train station, and that, you know, the person who drove him will come back and get her and drive her to the train station. Makes she, no sense. She, no, makes no sense at all. And uh, she doesn't, you know, believe him at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make sense, really. They, they're, they're, get, they're engaged. Mm-hmm. And they actually asked if um, they could get married there, I think, during Midsummer. Did and, they? Yeah. They, I know they were engaged. Or they but... asked, yeah, they asked the village leader to be the, like, to do the oh, ceremony. Oh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember? Oh, that's right. No, yeah. Yeah. So I like they're they're, they're kind of like chips all in day one, mm. um, and you get this very interesting conversation between the the guy who brought them into the commune, where he's like, "Oh, I was actually dating her when I introduced these two and she was like, "Oh, we went on one date. I'm like we weren't dating." You know, he has to like backtrack. He's like he's like Pele, but not as good. 
right. like what he's, he's doing. Like subtle. he's not as subtle. Yeah, like, that's yeah. true. Yeah, so he's kind of like when he like we can see what Pele's motives are through him because he's just you can read through him versus you know with Pele. So yeah, and he utterly fails because he he doesn't get a group that. That's that like lacks the connections. Yeah. That lacks the necessary connections connection with, with each, each other. other. So once right. once they both know, yo, fuck this shit, we're out. Then there's nothing that the group think of the of the commune can do to break that yeah. to break that down. So they we we need to accelerate the plan. So homeboy goes missing, then homegirl goes missing, right? Right. And it's like, all right, but you know, Danny with all of her losses and the, and the traumatic experience of having to watch two elderly people kill themselves after her parents got killed the way they did. It's like. You know, she should be the first one. Like, like, well, I'm walking. I don't even need the fucking car. I'm walking. <laughs> yeah. Like, but she doesn't. Pele's able to, like, massage this. Hey, like, this is how it goes. We all die, homie. But, like, you can have, you can have this until you do. And at least this is a choice and it's a healthy one. You know, it's what allows this to exist. Yeah. And then, you know, Chris wants to study it. He's, he's like, his, his academic interest is peaked. But it's almost just because Josh's is. And, like... And when he tells Josh that, Josh is pretty upset. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know. But Josh actually goes, you know, like, kind of searching for knowledge. He has a conversation with one of the village elders. Village elders show them some of their sacred texts. Texts. Um, And this was something, this was one of the few ideas that I thought was kind of underdeveloped by this film. But I found it interesting. Uh, there's this, what we learned is an inbred child hanging around this combi and he's very easy. Intentionally to, inbred. Yeah, yeah. He has a lumpy face and yeah, he is intentionally inbred. And basically the elders of this commune, you know, there's, he, they, the inbred ch- child is essentially an oracle. Yes. And he doodles and like draws stuff in the books and then the elders will interpret that. I just thought that was like a really weird note and they don't really go into it too much. They do show this kid just hanging around in a couple of different scenes in the movie. So I I think it's an interesting attack on what sacred religious or, or, or any, anything a culture holds as a sacred text that's like passed down has something like concrete, immutable, true capital T. Yeah. Right. Like take for instance, our constitution, something like that. Um, which is amenable, right? But or amendable, excuse me. But um, you know, it's like we shouldn't do change certain shit because, like, you know, without this, this is like the whole thing, you know, isn't what it purports to be anymore. It collapses, right? Right. We can't be better than what they came up with two hundred and however many years yeah, ago, right? This is the system. This is how it works. Yeah. So, like, we we you're really off put coming from it from a Western, right. post industrial modern, you perspective. know, perspective yeah. where the religious texts are made by every single generation and there is a purposely inbred child in every single generation in the village elders of every generation interpret their works no matter what like what medium it is and like those are the, the books of every like i forgot what the name of the word like there was a specific name for the term of like the oracle's time Mm. That like the book would the sacred text would be written for runic like, time or yeah, something like, like the, that. Yeah, something. I know yeah. they wrote in the runic language. Yeah. Um. And so like the the evolution of the religious text and the evolution of the understanding of the of the religion is is an aff- is a, is an affront to things like the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, which don't change. We have we have we have modern homilies done. Mm-hmm. A priest during their time, kind of trying to extrapolate the the larger truths of a story and apply it to modern to day. Modern context, but like they don't yeah. rewrite the religious text, right? Like no. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John stayed the same. So right. like I think that you know you get this like what the fuck? 
they inbreed like it's like all like like it's a fronting it's like and it's an attack on all sides like it's not just mm-hmm. a cultural like you know brothers and sisters having children intentionally to be like deformed or whatever right but the fact that there is some sort of fluidity to the the core religious works of of the of their commune religion which is like an assault an assault on the idea of sacred religious texts being like set in stone yeah. ten commandments on fucking stone tablets right like not remade for every generation so it's like whoa what the fuck is this <laughs> um i found that very interesting so like, their, their conversation's broken up by Mark, who has unknowingly um, peed on their ancestral tree, and pe- people of the commune are very upset about this. Yeah. But it appears like it's all good for now. They're not going to worry so much about it, so they just go to have a meal, and Chris ends up eating a very uh, bizarre meal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Where he drinks uh, from a cup of what appears to be menstrual blood. Everyone has some lemonade out, and he has some like red, like, orangey like, yeah. lemonade. And he also takes a bite of the pie, which has a, a little pubic hair in it, so a little, a little gross out. Apparently there's this uh, red-headed girl from the commune that's been pining over him a little bit since yeah. he appeared. Pele refers to her as his sister, but I don't... It's not... It's not, I don't believe it's, like, actually his sister. No, like, we would consider just, it. Yeah, like, everybody here is my brother and my sister. He's yeah. like, his commune sister. She, like, plays on that, you know, taboo, incestuous, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's a pretty girl that comes over to Mark, though, and asks him to follow her. He oh, says yeah. he'll be right back. Spoiler, he will not be right back. <laughs> he, in fact, was not right back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and later that night, Josh, his uh, insatiable lust for knowledge, can no longer be contained, and he sneaks out to take some pictures of the uh, sacred texts. The sacred Jedi text, but <laughs> oh god! But that's a big no-no. Taking a picture of this, and he's actually distracted by someone who is wearing Mark's face, and he ba- gets bludgeoned and knocked out and dragged off screen. That was uh, that was probably the scariest moment of the movie for me. It's when that guy sneaks up behind him and he's wearing Mark's face. And I was like, "What the heck?" Yeah, it was the what yeah. the H is that? Yeah, it was it was the um the Oracle, I believe, right. Um, was it the or? I didn't think it was. The oracle was sleeping in the room, but it didn't. I don't know. Maybe it was the oracle. It could have just been like a random commune member. They're all in on this together, so yeah. Anyway, anyway. the next morning, the people in this commune claim that uh, Josh and Mark have gone missing along with their book, and they're not happy about it. And uh, neither Danny and Christian. They don't really seem to be that concerned about their friends. Yeah, again, this Christian's like... more. Uh, well, you know, he just wants to explain that he had nothing to do with whatever they did. Yeah, he's just like, we, yeah, we, you know, we, yeah, we're not in on this in cahoots. Like, yeah. but it's just very embarrassed. It, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, yo, if like we went on a trip and you you just disappeared on me, and they're like, yo, where's my book? I'd be like, um, fuck your book, bro. Where's my, my fucking where's my friend? Friends? Yo, yeah. like, where the fuck did they go? I really don't give a shit about yeah. wh- whatever the fuck you're talking to me about. Their first thing is like, well, not Danny's. Chris's yeah. first thing is like, she doesn't say, anything, yeah, she and she's like, kind of like, what the. Her yeah. reaction is like, what the fuck are you saying, Chris? Like, because Christian's just like, we have no relation. We're so embarrassed. So sorry. It's like, dude, where the fuck did they go? So now you got four missing. Now you got four people missing. And it's unfortunate because they're missing the big day of the Midsummer Festival. Yeah. It's the big dance competition. Yes. <laughs> which Danny gets entered into. And basically, uh, she's given more hallucinogenic drinks to have. 
And uh, the the whole thing is you dance in a circle. All the girls dance in a circle until, you know, they fall down, they stop dancing, and they're eliminated. The last one standing is the the winner. Yes, who will be crowned the May Queen. Yeah. Chris comes to to watch this, and while he's watching, he's also uh, offered an hallucinogenic drink. Uh, First, he says he doesn't want to take it. He's afraid he's going to have a bad trip, but then kind of does like a, you know what, screw it. He looks over at the girl who gave him the love 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 cake, the love potion, and he's like, ah, whatever, I'm going to go for it. So uh, Danny wins the competition. She becomes the May Queen of the commune. Uh, A crowd gathers around her. This is a really cool scene, I thought, because everybody's like really excited, and really creepy stuff happens. First, first creepy thing, Pele comes in, just swoops in and kisses her. Gives her a plants a big passionate. Oh yeah, dude, right and it's face. just like, Ugh, <laughs> no, thank you. And Danny didn't say no, thank you. Danny didn't say it. she seemed to like it. So um, surprised but, by it, to the, be sure. The second thing, I'm surprised to be sure, one, but a welcome, but a welcome one, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, I guess Palpatine approves. Yeah, but uh, as they're all walking away, Danny's mother actually walks toward them through the group of people and danny recognizes her for a second but her mother just walks past her and doesn't say anything for me this is kind of like the symbolization it's like that is completely gone from her life now her family like whatever she had of it it's no longer there and all the third thing is as they leave christian gets left behind and he stands there and there's a great shot of them all going in the foreground as they lift her up and he's just stuck behind, and it's also another severed connection. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, now and he's starting to realize now he's isolated. So the group has isolated Danny, but she was already isolated, right? Like, mm-hmm. So there was a, a feigned connection here, which is revealed by this like groupthink. Yeah. To be kind of shown to be nothing. Actually, their entire friendship shown to be nothing. Like they're eating, you know, at the end the next day of the festival, and Mark hasn't come back with this chick, and they're just like, yeah, they're just fucking. It's like no, they're not. Like right. It's it, like it's been over a day now. Like, where's your homie? You're in a foreign country with no cell service. Yeah, it's not like like, gone like for this an is hour. like yeah. But they're also drugged a lot. <laughs> also true, but that would make me more paranoid to try and find them. Less less inclined to be like, oh yeah, no, you're right, it's fine. Like, God, I don't know what drugs they were getting. That, quite facts, yeah, the, like, with they, like hallucinogenic yeah, properties, properties yeah. not exactly sure. Um, so Danny goes to the countryside to bless, bless the land, which I guess is her role as being the main queen. queen yep. um, and her boyfriend Christian is kind of coerced and even drugged more into having sex with uh, the woman who's been pining after him in this bizarre cult ritual. Where uh, all the old women in the commune stand around them while they have sex and, and chants and stuff. And the oracle is just chilling, watching in the corner. And I'm like, somebody get that boy out of there, you know? <laughs> yeah. This is why you have these weird practices, because you, you mess up these people and have them think up what to do for you. Yeah, like, or, or you know, you have uh, gatekeepers that mm-hmm. essentially interpret their work, right? So right. it's a power structure that we can lift this one up through religious lore but control what everyone else does below us by using the legitimacy of this one yeah which we've established through you know right so, also side note don't have your oracle be a cock yeah don't want that. <laughs> no it's gonna lead to a bad society yeah a bad society <laughs> yeah exactly so I, I i think too that like <laughs> that um right so there's it's nine nine every 90 years there's a midsummer festival yes and i think nine two is an important number um, yeah. later right so we'll now see in a minute, we'll see in right? a minute right so we now have a, a grand total of four characters missing yes 
But Danny gets back, and she looks through the door and sees what Christian is doing, and she's just completely sickened by it and runs away. And all the other girls in the commune are chasing after her. And she goes to cry. And she wails very similarly to, like, the, you know, the pain she had when her parents died at the beginning of the movie. But instead of being met with silence by her boyfriend, all the women around her start to wail with her. And you get this really kind of funny, like, synchronized, ah, Yeah. Ah. Yeah, wailing. Um, I'm trying to, like, I guess illustrate that connection that right. shared experience that validation yeah that i guess in a way that she's looking for so chris you know quote unquote finishes his job and kind of snaps back to his senses and runs out of the place naked and in a tizzy eventually stumbling across uh josh's foot and we see sticking out of the ground and then mark's body which has been like strung up in some disgusting blood eagle kind of thing he has like flowers poked in his eyes yeah that's pretty gruesome that's probably the most gruesome part of the movie by far and uh he doesn't get away for long though because the cult uh members knock him out he's woken up and he's paralyzed and he wakes up to this see his girlfriend now in this crazy like absolutely (laughs) loony flower dress makes her look like a snail yeah but i mean she looks like a i don't even know what she looks like she's just completely potted in there she's covered in flowers i think it's a good demonstration of the reach this cult now has on her she starts the day with a simple flower wreath on her head she wins the may queen competition gets this more involved flower uh, yeah, crown, yeah, the crown yeah. on her head and now she's like completely consumed by the flowers she's yeah. in this absolute ridiculous dress and we we learn the more in the importance of nine right as yeah. you're talking about this festival only takes place once every 90 years and involves nine sacrifices four from the outside which are the two english couple uh josh mark and josh and mark yeah and then four from the commune being the two older individuals who jumped off the cliff earlier. And now we have two volunteers from the commune as well. And Danny, as the May Queen, she gets the choice. She can choose the outsider, another member of the commune. The only other outsider left is Christian. And and the choice is made by lottery. So um, the commune is everyone's assigned a number or a rune actually mm-hmm. and they do like a lottery drawing so whosoever rune falls out the choice is between that commune member and then the other outsider that was brought right which would be christian and the the, the interesting part here is that the may queen is the out, is an outsider as well right so you'd automatically mm-hmm. think like oh i'm going back to my old life after this i'm obviously going to choose to sacrifice the commune person right but but like she's she, not she, she, she doesn't she, want to go back she's to that well no yeah, there's yeah that's there's the well, there the danny that arrived is not the danny we see now yeah literally not the same person huh? so they um so she chooses chris and yeah. they stuck him into a disemboweled bear that bear we saw earlier in the film and this is actually foreshadowed a lot in the movie. I remember um, in her in Danny's apartment at the beginning of the film, she has a picture on the wall of a like a drawing of a girl lighting a bear on fire. Yes. There's also in one of the houses, uh, Christian looks at an image someone drew on the wall of a bear just being on fire, so, and you know, so this is foreshadowed a lot throughout the movie. So he's stuck in this bear, and they kind of like dumbified the dead bodies. Um, the people who jumped off the cliff were made into these, like, trees and stuff. Yes. And then they, Mark, they put a jester hat on him, saying he's, like, the fool of the situation. Yes. Um, they get all put in the tide to temple. 
and uh, burned. Burned, yeah. And um, the two people who volunteered, uh, a moment that I found funny is like they're one of the people comes to them, one of the commune members, and it's like, here, drink the sap from this tree. You'll feel no pain. But when the fire hits them, he starts feeling some intense pain. I think that basically he was lied to about yeah. what was going to happen. And just as before, you know, with everybody's wailing and pain on the inside, all the commune members watch on the outside mimic that. Yep. Very performative aspect. And while they do, Danny stands around. First, she looks horrified by what she does, but soon that look on her face morphs into a smile. And then, yeah. And then the movie. Oh, ends. yeah. She's looking for that connection, and she found it in this group. But yeah. I think, I, I do find the fact that they mimic the pain of other people to be telling that it, it is like it's a, a performance. It's, it's a, a show. It's a, she didn't really actually find it. A true connection, but she she drank the Kool Aid. She drank the Kool Aid and seemingly has found something at least more real than what she had before. But seemingly more real, right? Like definitely, I would say a more meaningful connection, but is it necessarily a good one? Uh, Obviously not. (laughs) Right. So, so what we think? I mean, it's 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 also like comparative to like. An, an alien idea of like what a community is to mm-hmm. ours and just if you can just do the antithesis of everything we do doesn't get you maybe to a better place that like the negation of what is currently if it is seen as bad isn't necessarily a good thing either which right. I thought was it was a very interesting idea to play with because we think the way we can change or make our lives better is by like having the opposite of what we have that we think is causing us problems now which isn't necessarily truly a better option. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I just thought that that was kind of <laughs> the yeah. point there, you know, that right. like, you could go from all these fake connections in, in, in this world to all these much seemingly more real, meaningful, deep ones in this one. And in one, you're psychologically unstable and miserable. In the other, you're a cult leader murderer. <laughs> right. Um, Right, like, but maybe more stable. Yeah, but more stable, exactly. But stable to what end? Murdering people, sacrificing them, right? Oh, but it only happens once every ninety years, so nine people isn't isn't a big deal. Like, right? I mean, who knows what goes on? Who knows? They have like an intern midsummer festival. So that that is midsummer. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts on the movie? And would you recommend this film? Would recommend definitely. Ten out of ten. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, if it is for you, that's. Fine. I think it's like probably like an eight or a nine. Um, I think the fact that it, it it changes the fact that it can like genre jump post watching because I didn't even know about Ari Aster saying it's a breakup film. Guys, it's like a cult horror or whatever it was. Right. Um, until you said it just now, so. Okay. Um, it, and I, the fact that it felt less like a horror movie the second watch, it kind of validates that idea. Um, but. You know, buckle up your first time because yeah, you, you know. Well, for me, it was kind of a mixed bag of a film. I think most of the strength came in the direction. Like Ari Aster is super talented as a director. I pointed out a few shots that I thought were cool, but there were tons more that I enjoyed. Like he has a really good eye for interesting ways to orient things in the frame of the camera. Yeah, this is also a really colorful movie, and most of it is well lit because it's set. At, during the day, which, you know, kind of runs opposite to what do I imagine about most horror films that are kind of desaturated color palette and take place at night. So that really, like, made it stand out um, in my mind. But 
I think the opening of the film is really strong. When everything that happens with her parents and her sister, I found fascinating. And I was really on board with it. But actually, like, kind of as the story went on, when she get and they all get to the, the cult, you know, it's a movie about people going to a cult. And it's like kind of what you think is going to happen is exactly what does happen. And I don't know, it just it just didn't really like gel with me as it went on. Um, I wasn't scared. I wasn't shocked by anything and kind of ultimately left me a little bit ambivalent. But uh it, it was it, it had its moments, okay. and there's a lot of really good technical mastery to this movie that I appreciated. So would I recommend it? I think if you do like horror movies, especially like slower, more atmospheric ones, you'll probably either love this or at least find something of value to take away. But if you're like me and don't usually go in for horror films, I don't think this is the one to really change your mind. Word. Okay. So that's, how, that's how I'd see it. Hot take. Hot takes. <laughs> uh, that's what you get here. But uh, if you made it this far, thank you for sticking around. Uh, please you know, feel free to leave some feedback. If you enjoyed this discussion, check out our uh, previous episode on the 2009 film Moon by Duncan Jones. Next week, we'll be watching Sorcerer, directed by William Freakin from 1977. So that should make another spirited discussion. Okay. I should hope, at I'm, least. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I have that's not a, seen. That's so. a movie neither of us have seen before. Ooh. So that, that should be interesting. All right. So um, until then, thank you. Have a good night.